Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast Q&A edition with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. This week, or this Thursday, we're going to be discussing um, a question that I got from one of my clients, um, and that has been a kind of a, an applied thing that we've been working through. Um, and it's also a question that I got this week on Instagram. And that question is, what is the best piece of equipment for cardio if you're doing high-intensity versus low intensity or just continuous uh, cardio or conditioning training, okay? So specifically, we're not talking about outdoor options here. We're talking about when someone has access to the gym, like what should they be choosing? Because obviously you have options like uh, the assault bike, the Stairmaster, the treadmill, the cross trainer, the rower, et cetera, you know, and you'll have more exotic options in different gyms. But ultimately, like there's clearly differences between these things. They're not all the same. And ultimately, if someone has spent a considerable amount of time trying any of these pieces of equipment, you'll know that there's a very different experience involved. You'll know that your heart rate goes up at different rates. You'll know that there's different muscles involved. And all these things need to be taken into consideration. So for me, like the way that I start to think about this is that when I'm doing something, when I'm having someone do something continuous, what I'm generally looking for is that they're able to just do this continuously with their, not their heart rate being the limiting factor, but that the cardiovascular component of that is the main thing that we're getting out of it. So if someone's just doing casual, continuous cardio, and it's not for any particular purpose, I'm looking for them to be able to do that without it interfering too much with their other training. So for example, if someone's doing uh, continuous training, uh, there's a difference between them running and having to absorb the force every time they land on their leg and them doing something like uh, steady state cycling or the cross trainer where the impact is clearly a lot lower um, and that might be a better option for an individual like that. And that's where we start to think about like what they're actually doing in the broader context of their programming. Because if someone says, you know, I like doing the Stairmaster, it's something that I don't feel that fatigued after, um, and I feel like I can throw it into any workout, then it's like, cool, that's fine. But like from experience, what I tend to find is that a lot of the times when people do things like the Stairmaster for long periods of time, they get additional muscle soreness and fatigue, you know, in those muscles that are responsible for constantly stepping up um, than they otherwise would. So it's about or kind of asking, if you're tall, it's all in your low back because if yeah. no way your knees can go that far forward for all those steps. But anyway. Yeah, it's it's also a disaster because I'm I'm not even like I'm not even that tall. Like I'm like just this scraping six foot like and like you you literally couldn't use the stairmaster in my gym that I train in. Like if you're over six two like i know gary pineda trains in that gym i don't know if he's ever used a stairmaster but he's like six foot five so um for him like or for you like you just can't use that um because like also, basically, you have big feet you have big feet just doesn't yeah, work again dis- disaster right <laughs> like my head my head touches the the roof with every step and it's really annoying so i have to kind of stay on the bottom ones where your foot's like slipping off with each step so it's a bit of a disaster so yeah you have to consider those practical uh, variables as well but ultimately with something that's that's uh, kind of longer in duration like let's say 30 to 60 minutes what i want is that someone's able to uh, do that with as little muscular fatigue as possible so i don't want them to feel like 
their legs are, you know, absolutely burning during that, or they feel like their calves are getting super sore or their knees are getting sore or anything like that. So when I'm encouraging people to do that type of activity, especially if it's just a casual kind of supplement to their weight training, I'm like, yeah, pick something that you think is easy, not, not too easy. Like not you, obviously you still have have a certain intensity guideline in terms of cardio. Um, but I want you to be short of breath. I want you to feel like your heart rate is up, but I don't want you to feel like your joints or your muscles are necessarily the limiting factor. However, with something like high intensity uh, interval training, just before little, you go on to that as yeah, well, go ahead. Just on, on the continuous stuff as well. Like obviously if there's a specific reason for the continuous activity, like you are, I know a football player and you're doing oh, yeah, totally different. because you want to, you know, effectively get better at running, you know, like if there's a sports specific reason to do the activity, like obviously it potentially makes sense to do that. Even if they are, if you are going to be, absorbing higher forces or you know mm-hmm. you know muscular stuff is going to be the limiting factor or whatever like if we're trying to build a tolerance in those tissues like obviously it makes sense to to use that like um so don't think like oh well like they said this and i have to use the, the cross trainer for you know uh my cardio now even though i'm a football player and i'm trying to build up my cardio specifically for football like obviously there's a sports specific reason same with if there's skill components that you have to do under fatigue or you're trying to get better at those skill components while also building your cardiovascular fitness. Like, again, that's going to be a different discussion than if you're just using cardio, like most people do, you know, to just get a little bit fitter and, you know, burn some calories, uh, potentially, you know? So again, we have to consider the goal. Like it would be reckless to just be like, all right, you're trying to burn a few calories. Um, yeah, actually it, we're going to do swimming. You know, the swimming is the, the continuous activity we're going to do. It's like, this is as a whole host of other practical things that we now have to take account of. You have to actually get like, you know, swimming clothes, you know, we have to have an access to a pool. We have to have all of these things, you know? And it's like, that's, that's not just the same as telling someone to be like, oh yeah, go out for a, a jog, you know, two, two times per week, you know, versus again, like being like, all right, no, actually cross trainer is the one or Stepmaster, stairmaster, or whatever is the one. Like again, we have to actually look at the individual that we're we're, we're giving that recommendation to, not just at an individual basis. Like we were saying uh, there, like again, if you're if you have bigger feet than I don't know size eleven, say like I'm like size thirteen, um, but uh, <laughs> it, like you're not going to be able to use the the stairmaster. Like you're like half your foot is off the step. You know, like, so you're not going to, like, if you have an individual, you coach basketball players and you're like, oh, we want to do some extra, you know, activity. It's like they, this guy with his fucking shoe size of 16 is not going to be even able to step onto the machine. You know, it's just, it's not a, a, a good uh, fit then, you know? So not over, even just at that, like, and that's obviously like, I'm, I'm being somewhat like hyperbolic because they're like really, really niche things. But even stuff like you're doing, uh, I don't know, an assault bike or something, like I find as well, uh, like sometimes the handles are too close together. Or because again, I'm quite tall, like when you do the, the arm motion back and forth, like that's the arm motion is not built for someone that has the length of arms that I have, you know? So for half the movement, you know, it's, it's not like, I'm not getting the full movement that I would want. And I have to change my body position then as a result. Now, obviously again, there's ways around this, but what I'm saying is sometimes the machine is just not set up for the individual and you either have to change the machine or change the way you perform that exercise. Another example would be that a skier, you know, the, you're pulling the, the rope, uh, the two rope things down. Like, again, if you're six foot 10 and, you're literally 
you're, you're, the, the, the start of the rope handles is literally at your forehead. That's not going to be the same movement as someone who is five foot eight, you know? So again, we, we have to look at individualizing the, the cardiovascular activity we're doing to the individual. And again, if there's sports specific reasons for bringing stuff in, you know, it might make sense to have slightly higher impact. And um, because again, they're the adaptations we're trying to build. Like again, if you are, I don't know, you do uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu like us, like maybe you do want to do just flow rolls and, you know, actually just moving through some different movements rather than doing something completely unrelated to it. You know, like there's, there's no need to build up a huge amount of adaptations to running if you're never going to, you're not, you're not half the time you're in your sport, you're not even on your feet. You know, it's like, this is obviously, again, a, we're looking at different adaptations. So as a result, we're looking at selecting different activities for that, you know? And again, some of these activities might be, you know, peripheral adaptations. Like you could make a strong argument that like running is a sport specific activity to boxing, for example, because you're always on your feet. You need to be light on your feet. You want to have that kind of tendon stiffness as well. You know, so it's like we're building adaptations that are beneficial for our sport, even though they aren't sporting activities like the sport specific activities themselves, same as like skipping and stuff for boxing. Again, you might be like, oh, it's not really like, you know, we're not actually doing that in the ring. But again, we're building up adaptations in joint structures and, you know, tissues that benefit us then in our actual training while also getting this cardiovascular benefit. So effectively, we, we need to have a, a broader view rather than just go, oh, the goal is burning calories, you know, burn calories on whatever machine. It's like, we're talking to we're talking to individuals you know yeah and, and the brazilian jiu-jitsu one is a good example because like personally i used to do like I've, I've been doing like a lot of cardio for the last couple of years in general but a lot of the for most of last year and the start of some of this year it was mainly running that i was doing um and i'm probably you know i'm probably doing more cardio work at the moment at least recently than I was back then but just far less fatigued from it because as I said on Instagram that prompted this question basically what I decided to start doing was just doing more stuff on the Stairmaster because I can do 60 minutes no problem which would be the same as me doing like a, a 12k run um, whereas after the 12k run I know that I'd feel it more in my joints and my muscles in terms of fatigue uh, than I would after the Stairmaster whereas after the Stairmaster I'm like I'm pretty I'm pretty okay. Like I feel like the limiting factor is more so like genuinely just like the, the cardiovascular system, which obviously is still muscular as well, um, rather than like muscle and joint fatigue and ligaments and tendons, etc. Um, so for me, I was like, yeah, why don't I just do, do more of that now rather than taking up more running? If you're genuinely thinking, right, let's, let's use cardiovascular fitness to try and car carry over um, to Brazilian jiu-jitsu because fundamentally there's nothing specific to running versus being on the Stairmaster or being in the bike or being on the cross trainer. Um, there's nothing more specific about um, any of those activities um, to, to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And obviously like the, the most specific thing to get better at, at endurance there is just to, to train more and to do more rolling, et cetera. Um, but that's not always an option either. So, so yeah, like that, there was another, there was another couple of examples that kind of came up in, in what you were saying. Like one thing you, you brought up was swimming and clearly like there's serious practical limitations to telling people to go and do 45, 60 minutes of swimming, you know? Um, and it's not just the fact that they have to get into the pool either. It's also the fact that um, the, 
the lower your the lower the skill level of the activity, the easier it's going to be to actually do sixty minutes or something. Like I'm not like I, I'd be an okay swimmer, but if I was to do like sixty minutes of swimming, like I know that my technique would be more of a limiting factor than anything else. You know, it's not going to be my actual cardiovascular fitness. It's going to be how like crappy my uh, stroke is after a while, you know, and the coordination, the feet and the arms, et cetera. Um, whereas it's even for, breathing, like it's, yeah, like- it's, it's just, it's just difficult to coordinate. There are other things at play. And that's the same thing with, with running. Like if you've never run, you can't do 60 minutes of running, you know, it's like it's something that actually has to be prerequisites there. Whereas most people could probably do 60 minutes in the cross trainer because you can just kind of reduce the intensity to a certain point and it, it kind of becomes fine. Um, so basically the lower the skill level um, of the task, the easier it is to prescribe uh, continuous training. Um, and another thing that you brought up was, especially as we get onto the discussion of the interval stuff, you have to think about the muscles that are actually involved because the ski the ski uh, machine is a particularly good example because if you do the ski erg and you do lots of uh, lots of intervals, lots of high intensity intervals in particular, you'll feel your long head of your triceps in particular light up. Like you'll, you'll, at least for me, and I know for a lot of other people as well, like if you're going hard on that, especially if you're like keeping, if you like flex your, your hips and your abs before you flex your arms and you're in that overhead position, like it's, it's, it's anatomy in motion. Like it just shows you like the function of the long head of the triceps as a shoulder extensor that will be on fire because you're training it in a lengthened position where you probably very rarely train it. Um, especially if you're always doing things like push downs and bench press, etc. And then suddenly you do these intervals and your long headed triceps is just absolutely goosed, you know, um, Not a benefit so- of being tall. That's not <laughs> yeah, you never have to get into that position. <laughs> but 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 yeah, that's just that's just an, another another example there. And and you know things like sprints. Obviously, if you were to do something like hill sprints as your cardio, like there's huge muscular demands there um, in terms of hamstrings and the glutes and the adductors for me especially. Like if cast. I do those. Yeah. And the calves, <laughs> like if you do those, like you're going to have doms, like you're going to have lots of muscle soreness um, versus uh, other types of activities that you could potentially do as intervals. So you have to think about like what's actually at play in terms of the muscular demands and what your skill level actually is. Because if you're someone who like, you're very used to sprinting, like it's just not a big deal for you. You do it all the time. Then doing a few sprint intervals might not be a big deal and you might tolerate it just fine. Whereas when you see bodybuilders, start to include sprints in their program and their running sprints. It's like, man, this is a hamstring tear waiting to happen because like they have no experience. They have no tolerance. And I'm sure Kevin Lebroni, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do know some bodybuilders to be fair who are like ridiculously athletic, um, but they're generally few and far between. Um, so if you're just not used to something, um, then then you wouldn't you wouldn't go and do it. Just like if you were uh, an endurance athlete, you wouldn't be expected to go and do a forty set uh, leg workout in the gym. Um, so there has to be you know have to consider what the the requisites are, what you've done before, what your skill level is, um, and what the impacts are, and what your overall program is targeting. Um, what was I going to say? The the options for interval training in general, the things that work really well are options where you can apply resistance and it's primarily concentric resistance. Like they're the things that really make uh, interval training super effective. And that's why people love the assault bike because the assault bike, what it effectively does is it applies lots of resistance, but it's pretty much all just concentric resistance. So it's you're just, you're, just on that. You're saying assault bike, but it's a fan bike, a right? fan bike. So assault bike is actually like a brand. Yeah. It's a brand. Yeah. Whatever. 
<laughs> the assault bike, the fan bike. Um, when you know the things like there's there's the rogue echo bike, echo bike, the assault bike. There's the air bike. Um, there's some other. There's some other the airline. There's some other examples like they've been around for a long time. To be fair, but quite popular recently. Usually um, they're called the devil's tricycle. But anyway, <laughs> the devil's tricycle. There you go. Um, but yeah, basically what they allow for is a lot of concentric resistance where the resistance is on, like if we, if we focus on the quads and the knee, when you're actually pressing down, it's the muscle is shortening. Okay. So the muscle is shortening, but in terms of its lengthening, it's not under as much um, resistance. Whereas something like running and sprinting, there's a lot of uh, eccentric forces involved as well, where you're absorbing force. And generally as a result, when you're doing something like the assault bike, you'll get like huge, like metabolic fatigue. You'll get lots of metabolic stress um, and you get a ridiculous cardiovascular challenge. But what you'll find is that you don't get as sore um, as you might expect. Okay. And there are, you, you st- still do get delayed onset muscle soreness, especially if you're new to it um, because like metabolic stress does actually contribute to, to muscle damage and, and delayed onset muscle soreness. It's not just the eccentric component. Um but you actually adapt to it really quickly. And what you'll find is that after a few sessions, you don't actually get much delayed onset muscle soreness after doing um, the assault bike versus if you're doing something like repetitive sprints because there's not that eccentric component and the resistance is all in the concentric uh, part of the repetition. So that can be a really good option. So can just the spin bike in general. I kind of like the spin bike if someone doesn't have access to an assault bike. And even the the rower can be quite good as well. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's about thinking about what the different demands there are because, you know, if someone has... Has never done rowing before, then I would expect that if they're constantly doing like repetitive high effort in a position of spinal flexion, that they mightn't have the tolerance built up to that. So they might be quite sore after that first session because again, it's just a novel stimulus. So, so yeah, I'm kind of repeating myself because basically you have to know what your skill level is, what you've exposed yourself to previously. And if you do intend to include interval training in particular in your program, start with something that you know you have, have a better tolerance for or start to sprinkle something new in, but do it gradually over the course of a couple of weeks. So for example, what I might do with someone is something like, right, I want you to do 20 second uh, max intervals. Like that's what we're trying to do, but let's do just 80 to 90% week one. And let's just do three of those. Okay. Just get a bit of exposure. I just want you to have that experience. Then the next week we might do four. We might say, yeah, 90%. And then once we get to weeks three, four, five, six, whatever, we get up to five reps of 20 seconds at max effort for each one. So, so yeah, it's just like weight training. You build your, you, you, you build your way up. Um, and it's not always about maximum, um, even if they are called, you know, sprint intervals or max intervals or whatever. So, yeah. And this yeah. is like, even though this, this question is basically like, what cardio equipment should I use? You know, like there's a lot more that goes into making a cardiovascular plan than just yeah, for the, sure. like the actual, like, Oh, uh, this is the adaptation we're trying to elicit. You know, you're trying to get like a train, the aerobic system. It's like, okay, well, like, oh, that's, that's the goal. We've expressed that as the goal. Like, obviously, we don't want to get injured in the process of this. We don't want to potentially limit our ability to train other systems later in the week. Like, if your calves are in bits because, you know, you haven't run and now you've started running and, you know, you literally, you're, you're half crippled, can hardly walk around because there's a new adaptation. You don't have that, like, tendon stiffness. You don't have any of those adaptations in the ankle, in the calf, or anything like that. It's like... You, you now are limited potentially in other activities, even just in the foot. Like maybe you know you're not able to squat, even though it's like more lower limb related. Like maybe your your the knee, the 
the, the muscles around the, the upper thigh, everything, they were all good to go. Um, but you know, the lower limb, the, 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 the calf and the foot are now limited. You know, they're, they're now incapacitated effectively from running and you're not able to stabilize when you're doing your, your squats and all of a sudden your, uh, resistance training is impacted, you know, or maybe you've chosen to do, I don't know, use a, a punching bag for your, uh, interval training you're like yeah I, I do three minutes on and then one minute off because that's you know sport specific to my sport but now all of a sudden you're like oh well actually all these joint structures in the wrist the uh, elbow the shoulder whatever else you know they're feeling a little bit more beat up and now I'm not able to you know bench press or do dips or whatever you know resistance training activity you had planned you know so again we have to look beyond just the adaptation we're trying to train we have to look at the other adaptations that might be affected based on how we select either equipment or you know actual modality of exercise like for, for that you know again like you, you could choose something like the the the, the fan bike or airdyne or whatever you want to call it and you're like oh cool i'm going to do this and you schedule it the day before a heavy leg session you know and all of a sudden you're like yeah like my legs feel really really depleted they're not really sore but you know we've had more we'll say localized fatigue in, in the quads and all of a sudden your your training then the next day is you know gone you know you're just like oh, I, I can't really push myself i feel you know flat stringy they, they, they don't feel good it might not be the same doms you get like the same subjective feeling of doms that you get from doing resistance training or whatever but you're like i just they don't feel like they're ready to go you know and um, so again, we, we have to think beyond just this is how we're going to uh, train this system. We have to look at the actual exercises that we choose, just like we do when we do resistance training. You don't just go trying to train chest to get bigger. Cool. We just use whatever chest exercise. Like obviously there are better chest exercises for a given individual and for a given goal. So there are, again, better cardiovascular exercises for a given individual for a given goal. And you have to not only just look at, you know, a generalized, oh, these muscles are being worked, there's these interactions, or whatever else, but you have to look at the individual in front of you as well and layer that on top. Because again, they could be non-normally shaped, you know, not that anyone is actually normally shaped, it's just an average. But again, you could be someone like me who's, you know, over six foot five and, you know, even doing something like the, the rowing machine, I'm like, I would like these handles to be just a little bit wider because this is, you know, really inside my like clavicular uh, width, you know, so I'm kind of inside rather than what I want to be, you know, a little bit wider grip, you know, so something like that, that's going to impact my performance on that. Now, is it going to impact it in a hugely meaningful way where I'm like, oh no, I, I, I can't do that or I'm not going to do that because it's, you know, not, I want it to be an inch longer handle. You know, that's probably not going to be the case for, for that example, but that is stuff that you have to be thinking of like, okay, well, this person always talks about having a, a shoulder impingement or a shoulder issue or whatever. And it's like, is the cardio choice we're now choosing interacting with that? You know? Okay. So that's something that we maybe want to avoid saying that like you're on the cross train and you're like, this individual has delicate shoulders. We'll say it's like, is this the best choice for this individual? You know, maybe, maybe not, you know, same with again, you can start making these, you know, different adaptations in your head you're like oh well look there we're training for this sport like say for example with gary here it's brazilian jiu-jitsu we want to be more specific with that and you're thinking oh gary's saying he he finds doing the uh 
the Stairmaster or the stair mill, you know, to be more beneficial because it's the cardiovascular system that gets taxed. But his sport is, you know, a, a, an upper body dominant sport, we'll say. You know, obviously there is a huge contribution from the lower body and the, the trunk itself. But we're like, you know, it's a lot of upper body stuff and a lot of rotational forces we want to get and or we, we get during the sport. Maybe we want to do something like a cross trainer because that's more sport specific. We're able to build up more, you know, vasculature across the upper body and the lower body. Whereas like the, the, the stair master or the stair mill, you know, it's basically just a lower body activity unless you're tall. And then all of a sudden it's a, a foot activity and a lower back activity. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, so we might be like in that situation, we might actually go for something like a cross trainer because again, we're building up the adaptations where we want them um, you know, across the whole body um, when we're trying to build those adaptations. So again, it's not just looking at like a very single minded, like, oh, we're just trying to do cardio. But again, we have to then layer on the practicality of stuff and we have to layer on the actual individual's response, their likes, their it fucking hates and all that kind of stuff like again gary might be like look i really like the the, the stair master because i can just pop up uh an ipad or my phone or whatever watch a few lectures watch a few videos get going with the stuff and i can't really do that on the 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 cross trainer where i'm like moving around and my arms fatigue and you know like again we have to look at look beyond just this is the modality that we do you know yeah 100% and that's actually a really excellent point that I think few people realize is that like and this is one of the reasons why almost always when we discuss cardiovascular training and when I say cardiovascular training I say it's related to the muscle too there are local and systemic adaptations so if you're someone who's doing an upper body activity like you know Brazilian jiu jitsu or like swimming or something like that you also have to consider the local muscular adaptations. So the local, the, like if you're just training uh, your lower body and you really improve your cardiovascular fitness, like even if you're a runner or something, that doesn't mean that you have that lay, that same level um, of cardiovascular fitness um, or muscular fitness or cardiorespiratory fitness in the upper body muscles. Because fundamentally, like the adaptations like, like angiogenesis, the building of, of new vasculature, um, mitochondrial biogenesis, the, the formation of new mitochondria and larger mitochondria, um, and the differences in, in enzyme concentration within the mitochondria, etc. all the local adaptations, those things take place within the muscles that you're actually training. So while you might get carryover, you certainly will get carryover for sure. Um, there are definitely benefits to doing additional um, local training for, for muscles that you're actually concerned with. So yeah, that's, that's something that I think uh, doesn't get a, a lot of attention um, and, and is worth considering. So yeah, um, I don't really have anything else. It's easy to do that in a sports-specific context. It's like, how do you build these adaptations in a sports-specific way? Do your sport. Yeah, just do your sport. <laughs> but again, that's not always practical. Like maybe, again, you don't have the the skill required to do like more flow rolling in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, or again, you don't have the practicality of it. Your club's not open. There's that when you want to do some extra work, you know, it's like, you don't have people to do it with, or again, there's a, we'll say a higher likelihood of injury from certain activities. Not that, you know, you're definitely going to get injured when you do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but you know, the, the chance of injury between doing something like the cross trainer versus doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, like obviously there's a difference there and that might again affect your longevity and affect your goals or whatever. That's something that you have to take into consideration. And um, so again, like all of this stuff, it's, it's, it's not just a question of what cardio shall I do if I want to get fitter? It's like, there's more to this. Yes, sir. 
my my BJJ club at the moment, I can only get two to three sessions in a week, and like they're hour sessions, and uh, like the first thirty. 40 minutes 45 minutes even is like warm up and drilling so like yeah your heart rate's up but it's uh, it's not it's not that intense so like you're only getting 15 to 20 minutes of rolling where you're actually like pushing yourself so obviously when you look at that across the week like it's not it's not that much training you know if especially if you're someone who's considering like this doesn't just apply to bjj any sport if you're someone who's saying this is my sport and this is what i'm training for then like 60 minutes of kind of pushing yourself per week at your sport isn't that much, you know? So um, that's a message to myself. But anyway, uh, I think that covers most of what we want to discuss in this podcast, guys. Uh, Ultimately, the goal was just to give you a little bit of discussion around different um, modalities in terms of like what options you have available, what things you want to be thinking about. Ultimately, I'd like people to, if you could start to think about your cardio, the way you think about your resistance training, especially because like, it's kind of our niche. Most people that we that follow us like are into to weight training. Um, I think you'd be doing yourself a service because fundamentally cardio training and using different pieces of equipment, it can be analyzed on almost the exact same basis as resistance training can. So when we talk about things like moment arms and anatomy and what's working and, and all those sorts of things, you can do the exact same thing with the pieces of equipment that you're using from a cardio perspective. The only difference is the same things that we discuss in a resistance training program rep ranges, you might be doing a thousand reps, you know, tempo, intensity, percentage of one rep max, you know, you're actually, you're just working at a much lower intensity. The forces you're dealing with are much smaller. Um, the tempo of your repetition is often a lot quicker. Um, and there may or may not be an eccentric component. Um, and you just have to think about those things. So yeah, if you're analytical with your weight training, be a little bit analytical with your, your cardio training for most people, it probably doesn't matter, but if you're a coach, it obviously matters because you have to make these decisions. Um, so yeah, have a think about it. And if that you're, case, if you're, if you're wondering about how to make these decisions, how to find information about this stuff, where, where would you go for that, Gary? Nowhere yet, <laughs> but in a month <laughs> we will be launching the coach's corner. Uh, the coach's corner is basically going to be designed to like, actually just work through things like what we've been discussing in this podcast, taking the theory, taking the information and implementing it. Paddy's let me know that our tagline is going to be something along the lines of information and implementation. Cause that's the goal is to be able to take the theory, take the sciencey stuff and say, all right, what does this mean? What does this mean for clients? And what does it mean for this specific client that you're working with? Okay. So um, obviously for personal trainers, you're thinking about your specific client. If you're an individual trainee, you're thinking about yourself, you know? Um, so all that stuff will be launching in about a month's time. It will be updated um, all the time thereafter. It's going to be a rolling membership and we'll be constantly adding new content. So if you're someone who gets in there and you're like, I love that discussion on cardio, I'd love to hear more about, I don't know, how to train for local muscular adaptations if I'm X type of athlete. Boom, that's the stuff we want to cover. Like that's that's where, where it's going to be at. Um, so yeah, you can pre-register your interest for that below um, and you'll basically get a discount upon launch within the first few days of launch. So there's no commitment there, but if you do, uh, if you are even considering signing up, then it would be wise because you just get a discount and there, there's no commitment or, or downside involved. We won't keep we won't keep you on an email list that you're going to keep getting emails um, every week or anything like that. But if you do want emails, you can subscribe to the Triage Method newsletter. 
That's where we send out all the content that we've been producing as well as recommended resources from around the internet. So different podcasts and articles and videos and books and websites, et cetera. So if you're trying to improve your education, improve the quality of your information diet, then it would be wise to um, access some of those resources. You can also join the Triage Method community if you'd like to uh, you know, engage with us further in terms of asking specific questions, opening up a discussion, trying to outsource experience in the form of asking other coaches within that group. Um, that can be quite useful. We've had a number of like useful threads where someone has asked a question or we've asked a question and, you know, lots of coaches will give their input. And I think that's always useful. Um, and if you're just interested in kind of following along with what we're doing, you can obviously uh, subscribe to the podcast, first of all. So subscribe, uh, rate, rate, review if your podcast app allows that. Um, but if you're just interested in our general content outside of the podcast itself, you can like the page on Instagram or follow the page on Instagram. We are producing more organ- organic content on Instagram. So that's at Triage Method. You can also like our Facebook page um, and you can, is that everything? Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yeah, YouTube. There you go. That's it. We, we do have online coaching spaces available as well. So if you are interested in that service, you can get involved and work with myself or Patty towards your goals. Perfect, Gary. That was phenomenal. Anyway, I have nothing else to say. It's too easy. It literally is. <laughs>